following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about you, Cowboys? is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys And now, your hosts, Brian Broadus, Jeff Cavanaugh, Kyle Yeomans, and David Hellman. Good morning and welcome. It is Tuesday, March the 1st. Happy Mardi Gras. Got to throw that in there. Very <laughs> self-serving. Uh, everywhere else, it's just Tuesday. We are not live, but guys, we are back at the Indianapolis Convention Center. It's been a long time coming. Not just because we're back at the NFL Combine here on the Draft Show, but we are back with our friend, Dane Brugler, Draft Show alum, Draft Show originator, hmm? I think a lot of people excited to see you on the show, man. Welcome back. Oh, it feels so good. It feels right. You know, we didn't we didn't get the combine last year, so it feels good to be back in Indianapolis. It feels good to be back with you guys. Uh, we got plenty to talk about, so I'm excited. It is like it's like a warm hug. Like, there you go. Yeah. Took a yeah. year off. Everybody feeling a little bit better about it's, it's COVID. Like that, that first bite into that ribeye at St. Elmo's. Mm. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's good. That it shrimp feels good cocktail. To be back. It yeah. just clears your sinuses <laughs> of everything that doesn't matter except for the draft. I mean, and that's the thing is, you, you talk about it's been a year in between, yeah. but think about how all that has changed in that year. I mean, last time we were here, we were talking to Joe Burrow at the podium, and now Joe Burrow's been to a Super Bowl. Crazy. I mean, it, it, yeah. there's a lot of things that have gone on since then. Last time we were here, there was a fresh powdered snow on the ground while we were walking around Indianapolis. It's been like mid-40s, so we've gotten lucky in that regard this this time around. But things have changed over the last couple of years in a number of different ways. I almost feel like I've been through a time warp. Like yeah, right? I lived I lived those two years, but I've just, I'm not convinced that it ever actually <laughs> happened. You know? At least you don't want to convince yourself that it happened. Got so excited about Dane. I forgot to mention, I'm, I'm David Hellman, I think you know that, joined by my buddy Kyle Yeomans, Jeff and Brian taking the week off because they're slackers, they mm. didn't want to come up to Indianapolis. They definitely wanted to come up to Indianapolis. You're right. Well, easy money. Sending our love to them, but <laughs> I'm very happy to trade them in for Dane. So, Dane, I just want to, I want to set the stage with you, that's, it's kind of an awkward thing. We're at the Combine, we're excited to be here, here on Tuesday morning, we still haven't actually done a whole lot. You right. know, Steve, Stephen Jones talked yesterday to Cowboys media. There's some Cowboys news that maybe we can get to later. But in terms of the draft, no interviews yet, mm-hmm. no testing. So I just I kind of want to set the stage with you, since we haven't checked in with you this year, about the storylines, about maybe the guys that have the most to gain or, or the narratives that can kind of shape this draft class the most. Because I do think it's – Kyle brought up Joe Burrow. We don't have that guy. Right. Like, we don't have that guy that dominates the draft talk the way we did with Joe or with Kyler Murray. I mean, we're basically talking about edge rushers and offensive tackles. And so how do you, how do you think this week might shape that? Uh, it, I think the main storyline is exactly that, the fact that we don't have that obvious storyline. Uh, it, it's just a very different draft. And every draft class has its own identity, you know, its own – it's usually driven by the quarterbacks this year uh, the quarterback after five in the top 15 last year this quarterback class uh you know it's it's just all over the place and (laughs) you know you looking for the high floor guy and can you pick it you're looking for the guy that five years from now hopefully is that top 15 quarterback in the nfl and like a malik willis or matt corral it's hard to have conviction about any of these quarterbacks it really is and i don't know that we're going to get 
any real information here that's going to help us. You know, Matt Corral, the one quarterback that wasn't at the Senior Bowl, not working out, still working his way back from that ankle injury from the bowl game. So quarterbacks, I'm not sure that this week's going to change all that much based off what we know. So it's going to re remain kind of a, a, a tough position to sort out. But some other positions will, will I think it'll be important context here. The receivers, the corners, uh, the stopwatch positions. Uh, you know, I want to see how some of these pass rushers move and, you know, some of the three cone and short shuttle drills. Uh, to me, I don't know how you guys feel. There's one position that, above all, is the deepest and the best position in this draft, and that's pass rusher, mm -hmm. edge rushers. To me, it is by far the deepest position. And so, you know, I was doing my pre-combine rankings last night, putting all that all together, and I'm going through, and uh, I'm, I'm like, okay, well, how many pass rushers in the top 100? I do my top 10. I'm like, no, there's more. All right, top 15. No, there's more. Top 20, and I'm still leaving guys out. And I'm like, man, he, he should be in the top 100. So pass rushers this, this week, I'm excited to see him, see how these guys test. Uh, my guy, Trevon Walker from Georgia, want to see if he lives up to the, the hype I've been putting on his name. So uh, it, it's going to be a fun week uh, that hopefully adds context to, to these evaluations we've been working on. I'm glad you brought up edge rusher because having those conversations around the draft class and kind of looking at these rankings back and forth, it feels like one of the only positions that's complete this year because you do have that high top-heavy talent pool like a Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon, the Aiden Hutchinsons of the world out of Michigan, and then even after that, you've got late first-round guys. You, you have a complete board off mm -hmm. of your edge rushers. Around that, it really doesn't feel like there's not a whole lot of positions elsewhere because you can talk about quarterbacks. You mentioned there's not going to be that high-end, high-profile quarterback at the top of this draft. So with all of that being said, where does this rank from a draft class excitement for you? Because I mean, with me, I'm looking at edge rusher, maybe wide receiver, just because it's deep again. Mm -hmm. Not really the top-heavy guys at that position, but I really don't get as excited about this draft just based off of the fact of the top-heavy star power. Right. But there's a lot of ways you can make your team better because of how deep it is in a couple areas. No doubt. And, yeah, this is not – relative to past years, this is not a great year to be picking top 15. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just not a top-heavy draft. Now, you're still going to get good players there, but relative to past years, we're missing those blue chippers at the top. But that doesn't mean that it's not a good draft. And so I've heard so many people characterize as a bad draft or a down draft. And it's just that's just not true because when you see the value, I mean, there's pro bowlers in this draft, the future pro bowlers. And you just go find them, go, go, go get them. Um, and so, yeah, I think pass rusher, I think I think your point is valid. Pass rusher at every stage of the draft, you feel like it's a it's a good position where you can't really say that about every other position. Wide receiver, uh, to me, there's six receivers in the top 25 this mm -hmm. year. But then, you know, it takes a little bit. There's a little bit of a lull, uh, you know, later on. Um, corner. I, I really like the corners in the first round. I think we could see three in the top 15. And then, uh, but then there's a little bit of a lull before we get to um, some other levels of the cornerback position. So I think, I think what you said is fair. Pass rusher, the only position that you point to and say, okay, it's deep at the top or strong at the top, deep in the middle, and then it'll stretch out. So you still feel like you're getting good players well into day three. Let me ask you this, and it, it's what I find so fascinating about this class. And I know, I mean, you you have your own grades and your own process mm -hmm. and, and your own confidence every year. Mm -hmm. But the, the recurring talking point on this class is like outside of maybe eight prospects at the top. Right. It's like 
set your own board, you know, and is that more fun or more stressful? As somebody <laughs> who does this all year round, who wants to be as right as possible, this seems like it could be a stressful class where, you know, you got to stack these tackles. You right. got to figure out how do you feel about all these edge rushers and corner. It just seems like we talk about this all the time. A guy could go to the Cowboys at 24 mm -hmm. that somebody else has graded in the top 10 or vice versa. Like maybe the Cowboys draft a guy at 24 that everybody else is like, you picked him in the first round? Like, it just seems more so than any year, it kind of seems like this is a year where everybody is fending for themselves. Everything in terms is game. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I think it speaks to you have, you have to have confidence in what you, what, what you see. You know, there's a reason why you, you gave this player a, a second-round grade and then, uh, oh, you see him in the first round and other mocks and things like that. And it's, well, okay, well, why did you have him in the second? And you have to have confidence in what you're doing. Um, there are certain players where, uh, you know, I think you can come around on or like you, you the other people, you, you, you don't, don't just take what everyone else says. I mean, I, to me, like just from speaking from my experience, I've got, you know, my, my short list of people that I trust what they say and I'll take what they say and take it to heart and listen and try to figure it out. But yeah, it's just, it's just one of those drafts. And to me, that makes it fun because I, I use the baseball analogy all the time. Like, if you expect me to hit a thousand percent on, you know, these players, you're going to be disappointed. Just like if you expect Mike Trout to, you know, hit about a thousand. And I'm not trying to compare myself to Mike Trout in any way. <laughs> hey, you're the Mike Trout uh, of the draft. Yeah, right, I feel yeah, like that's okay. okay. You are. I'll, I'll take, take that. that. Uh, but again, if you're a baseball player and you get on base four times out of ten, you're doing a heck of a job. And so, you know, it, it's not the same, uh, quite the same, but, you know, you're going to miss on some of these guys, and that's fine. Um, but that's what I love about the draft guide, or, you know, why being able to put all my opinions out there on hundreds and hundreds of players, um, you know, I put a lot of confidence in that, and it served me well to this point. And I really like what you said about there's going to be a lot of prospects in this draft where people are going to come around on them. Because I feel like this draft more than others, I'm looking at my board and I'm like, okay, I'm confident in where I have this guy, but maybe I need to go back and watch him again. We were talking about a couple prospects even before we went on air about how, hey, maybe I need to go back and watch this guy because somebody Ooh, else has him up there. Sky Moore, wide receiver yeah. out of Western let's Michigan. Just knock, let's knock you Sky knock it out at the I top knew, of the I show. I knew you were going to try and save <laughs> we it We were going to save question. it for the third. No, but yeah. let's just get it out of the way because he's the only player Jeff Cavanaugh wants to talk about. Dude, he's <laughs> – So let's just put it to everybody rest for here and for now. Yeah. What do you think about Sky Moore? Uh, I think he's a heck of a player. Um, okay. I think he, and he might. I think he's going to surprise people this, this week. He's not a burner, but don't be surprised if he runs in the low four fours. Uh, wow, like that, that's what I was told. So um, I, I, what I love most about him, and I think he'll also be one of the. I love the gauntlet drill. I think he'll be one of the best performers in the gauntlet drill because he's so good with those quick hitters, those slants, catching the ball away from his body. Um, he's so tough. Squares up the, the catch point. Um, I, there's. I mean, I, I don't know. When you list the reasons not to like him, it's like you're kind of like, eh. I mean, it, it's nitpicking more yeah. so than like a fatal flaw with this guy. So I don't think he's a slot only, but I do think he is projects best in a slot mm -hmm. um, where he can do the most damage. So in my opinion, yeah, I see a top, top 60, top 75 guy in this draft. I think he's my ninth receiver. Uh, okay. in my rankings. So that makes me feel a little bit better because I was talking to Dave earlier and I said I had him 17th, which is really low. Like I'm looking at some of these guys in front of him that I really like more than him, but you're talking about fatal flaw. I agree with you. I mm -hmm. don't have a fatal flaw with him. And if I'm nitpicking at his cons, like you said, I thought he was a slot only guy. Mm -hmm. 
and he may be moving forward, but if he's able to show some versatility, and if he runs in the 4-4s, that yeah. could potentially change my thought process too because at least looking at him, he plays fast. He doesn't play exceptionally fast. And if he comes out and runs in the low 4-4s, then I might have something there well, to, to look at. Something we always talk about with these players is understanding their journey, where they came from. Yeah. He wasn't a receiver in high school. He was exactly. a quarterback and cornerback. So, you know, there was an adjustment period for him, and that I, I, feel, I still think there's upside there. I mm -hmm. still think he's learning how to be a more polished receiver, and he's going to get better and better. So, um, I, yeah, I, I, I think with Sky Moore, you, you feel really good about the player you have now, but you feel even better about what he's going to be two years, three years from now. And as long as we're at this... Let me tell you something about my buddy Jeff Cavanaugh. Like when, <laughs> when he get excited about something, yeah. you know, be, caution goes out. Go, caution goes to the wind. Well, yeah. that's why like, we waited until Jeff's not on the show. Yeah, and then we have Dane Brugler think, to talk who, this who, out. Is the TCU forth. safety last year? Our Darius Washington. <laughs> yeah, 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 that was him. Dane, Dane will. Dane, you shot him down in pretty quick. Or, didn't you? <laughs> you shot Jeff down. You kind of killed his dreams I, on no, I, Washington. I, I, I give Jeff credit because he, when he sees a guy he likes, he's he, not afraid. He, he buys not. in and he's, he's all that, in. Honestly, so, absolutely, hundred percent. No, I would rather what makes Jeff great. Stand, stand on the table and be wrong or right sure. rather than yeah, blow in the wind. I, but it. Dane, I think Dane gave a very similar scouting report. As Jeff, yeah. Dane is just a rational human being, whereas <laughs> Jeff is just all excitement all the time. Right? Oh, you're so exactly right. I wanted to hit on this too, because and I, I'm curious. I'm I'm not. I'm I'm asking this more than stating it. It feels to me like the testing pool is going to be a little bit disappointing here, just in the sense, mm. you know, at the top of my mind, obviously because of who I am as a person. Right. Derek Stingley's not going to work right. out this week. <laughs> um, I saw it. You mentioned Drake London might not work out. Right. It mm. seems like we're going to be missing some sex appeal. And I, I, Evan Neal, I believe, isn't going to do anything at this combine. Right. So Top tackle for a lot of, a lot of uh, people. Do you, do you feel like it's less than most years, or am I exaggerating? I think it happens every year where, and, and most of these guys are, are injury related. Derek Stingley working his way back from the foot injury, not quite ready. Uh, Drake London working his way back from injury, not quite ready. Uh, Jeremy Ruckert, Ohio State tight end, foot injury at the Senior Bowl, not quite ready. So I, I, we have that every year. Um, with this year, I, I think we still will have some, like the wide receivers and corners, I think we're going to have a lot of a lot of guys test really well. Chris Olave from Ohio State, I don't think people understand how fast this guy is. 10-8 uh, guy in high school in the 100 meters, he's going to blaze. Um, you know, I think uh, you know, Baylor, Baylor brought a track team to, to the combine. <laughs> it, it's crazy what Baylor, the athletes they have. Uh, and most of them are on the defensive side of the football yeah, as Caleb, well, which Caleb is impressive. Caleb Barnes, the corner, he, yep. I mean, he's he's my vote for the fastest 40 this week. Should be in the four threes. Wow. Maybe gets lower than that even. Um, uh, JT Woods, the safety, he can fly. A very fast, linear athlete. So those guys will test really well. Um, Terrell Bernard, the linebacker from Baylor. Tyquan Thornton, the wide receiver. So Baylor. You didn't uh, even mention Jalen Petrie in there as well. Yeah, and I, 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 I hope he runs well. I don't know that he's going to run okay. well. I, like, I I don't think that that's necessarily his strength as a player, but uh, I, I think he'll be okay. I think he'll do well for himself, and he's to me he's in the top 50 mix as one of the better yeah. safeties this year. But you know, I, I don't I don't know that it's necessarily that much different than past years. I think that you know with no Evan Neal, it's an opportunity for Icky uh, Iquanu, NC yeah. State tackle, to say, hey, this is why I belong number one. I put him at number one in my mock draft, and wow, uh, he. Yeah, I don't. Obviously, the Jaguars. I don't think they have any idea who they're taking number one. But uh, you know, it's a chance this week to show uh, what he can do and to show that he's you know not just one of the top players. He is a top player. It's ironic because 
drafting Jamar Chase clearly worked out for the Bengals. Clearly. But the the Jags situation at one reminds me of the Bengals last year where I'm like, just just draft a tackle. Please, yeah, please sure. protect. Please protect that long haired quarterback from <laughs> yeah. taking any more damage. It's exactly right. You want to find and that's one of the things I want to talk to Dane about, too, is where you have those tackles ranked. You talked about Aquanu, but we've talked yeah. about Charles Cross, Evan Neal, Cross being from Mississippi State, Neal, of course, from Alabama. But then you've got Aquanu, who really seems like he's jumping up draft boards as just I've heard the word nasty thrown around with with him and his tape certainly stands up to the billing there as well but is that where you see uh, kind of what we were talking about with edge rusher early those top heavy players that could certainly make an immediate impact at the top of this draft maybe in those top 15 players yeah, and, and with Iquanu, he's just he's so explosive at contact in the run game. It's really a sight to behold. Um, and he's a better athlete than people give him credit for uh, in a lot. I mean, he's never been called small in his life, but in a lot of ways he's kind of a smaller Mackay Becton uh, with wow. the way he moves out there. And, uh, you know, I wrote in my report how – you watch his tape, and, and there's more pancakes than IHOP. I mean, it's just he <laughs> he finishes to the ground, and he does not apologize for it. Um, and that's the type of guy you want to coach. And, and I think he's got he, – is he the most refined player in the world? No. But he, he showed this year, at least in my mind, he proved he could play tackle. He could stay on the outside, but he could also move inside and play guard. So when you have his combination of all the traits that he offers with the explosiveness, the power, uh, and, and the fact that you think he's only going to get better uh, as he develops and gets more experience, uh, I'm all in on Iquanu. I like to think, if you're not if you're not aware, Dane is going to spend this entire week doing draft interviews. Probably. I just imagine you... <laughs> Standing in your mirror at home, working on your draft analogies. More pancakes than IHOP. <laughs> bringing a track team to the con. Like, Sitting here. He's just coming ready with the wordplay and the knowledge the on these prospects. One. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to probably use that on the Blitz or something down yeah, the road. That's I'm okay. Gonna just use it. do it. I Imitation is the <laughs> finest form of flattery, my friend. Uh, real quick before we take this break. So from what I'm hearing from you, and especially without, without a quarterback who is – it's probably not going to change a whole lot right. with what happens with them this week. From what I'm hearing with you is it sounds like there's anywhere from like 10 to 15 guys that could really jump onto the radar in terms of like big time first round prospects when this when this week is over, whether it's an Iquanu jumping up as, as a favor to be number one or whether it's a cornerback or a receiver who maybe we're not talking about as much as we should kind of. Alave is a perfect example. Like this whole time we've been talking about him as like a fringe first round guy. If he does the right stuff this week, he could completely change that narrative. You think that's fair to say? I, I think the way we need to look at this draft is there's going to be very little consensus. And so, like, in our minds, you know, because I'm with you. I, I mean, I've seen Olave as a late, more of a late one. Don't be surprised if a team thinks he's one of the best receivers in this draft and would take him top, you know, 15. You know, I, I just, when you, there's just not going to be very much consensus. And so I think, you know, we have to have an open mind. All the viewers and readers have to have an open mind. All the fans. Because even though I think we're doing a nice job of setting the stage, and you guys do a great job every week on the draft show of setting the stage of what this draft is, still keeping an open mind because there's going to be more or less consensus this year than I think in most years. So the combine will help influence that as well based off of how these guys work out and how they run. We don't get to see the interviews, but how Kayvon Thibodeau interviews is going to play a part in where he's drafted. You know, like it's uh, – he's uh, – <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to say this, but, you know, like he's 
when teams interview him, they they'll have a seat for him, and then they'll pull up another seat for his ego. And <laughs> oh. like, you know, it's just that's just how it is. Sure. Like, and, and so he has to sell himself and say, "Hey, I'm I'm passionate about." being the best football player I could be mm -hmm. and he needs to sell himself uh, and, and worry about the other all the other stuff another time so um, you know it, it's going to be important for, for for Thibodeau to have a good week on the field but even more so in the interviews and, and how he performs that that could shake whether he goes two overall or ten overall it's a fantastic segue for a question we've got in the second segment so we will go ahead and take this break and get to y'all's questions in the second segment with Dan Brugler we will be right back after this At Smoothie King, we are blending goodness to fuel your greatness. Every blend is crafted to help you achieve your health and fitness goals. Smoothie King uses only whole fruits and organic veggies. You'll never find sugary syrups or artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives. And unlike some other smoothie places, there are zero grams of added sugar in many of our blends. Smoothie King is proud to be the official smoothie of the Dallas Cowboys. Place your order in the app or online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. What do you call a group of grown men and women with their faces painted silver and blue who get together every week to share a three-hour-long ritual of jumping, sinking, and toasting Miller Lite and 10-gallon hats while yelling, how about them cowboys? You call it Miller Time in Dallas. Here's to the cowboys. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller Time. Celebrate responsibly. 2021 Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. Football season is almost over, and that means tax season is here. With it comes Taxiety. Filing taxes can be stressful if you choose the wrong partner. Don't let Taxiety take over this tax season. Liberty Tax will help you get your largest possible refund or your money back. With more than 12,000 tax professionals nationwide, help is always around the corner. Check out Liberty Tax, proud partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Schedule an appointment today at libertytax.com slash cowboys. Liberty Tax, a brighter way to do taxes. Hey, Cowboys. Cowboys fans, if you're thinking about attending a game this season, visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Stay at the team hotel, have dinner with a Cowboys legend, and experience AT&T Stadium's exclusive VIP Owners Club. Also, tour the star, get autographs from your favorite players, and talk X's and O's with me, Mickey Spagnola. The official travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys will take care of all your travel needs. Visit CowboysTravel.com. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Welcome back to the Draft Show here from the Indianapolis Convention Center. I'm joined by Kyle Yeomans and Dane Brugler. We don't have all the funny sound effects, so I'm just going to say it. Dane, Twitter on the 20, man. You ready? Twitter, Love Twitter, it. Twitter on the 20. And Brian's not here, so we can get to some questions. There we go. Like, we can actually <laughs> answer maybe 10. a lot of questions. So, uh, like I said at the end of the last segment, uh, it's the last question I wrote down from Ernie. You already said Kayvon Thibodeau. We can talk a little bit more about him. But he was curious about prospects who, who could use really good interviews this week at the Combine. And obviously, we don't get to see that. Maybe some of these teams will release them later after they draft a guy. Sure. But until then, we don't know. But just in terms of guys who have questions, whether it's character, whether it's uh, football habits, whatever, 
uh, some guys that jump out to you that need to impress in the interview rooms? Uh, well, I, I think you start with the quarterbacks because um, obviously that's that it, it's quarterbacks an intangible position. Um, so you have to understand what's their mental development, what's their mental capacity, where are they when you put them on the whiteboard and, and get a better sense for how they can read a defense, what they see pre-snap, post-snap. Um, what were their responsibilities in college like? Uh, you know, college offenses – the number one goal for a college offense is not to prepare you for the NFL. It's to win games. And so they're going to make it as simplistic as possible. And so there's a lot of these quarterbacks just weren't asked to do things that you're going to be asked to do in the NFL. That doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means they weren't asked to. So I think that'll be big for a lot of these quarterbacks, um, especially when you look at Malik Willis coming from that scheme with Hugh Freeze, um, uh, Matt Corral with Lane Kiffin, a very uh, – an offense that's designed around uh, – set throws where you don't have to make a ton of uh, progression reads. And, and so that'll be big for, for these quarterbacks. Um, you know, I, I, I think for a lot of these players, it's maybe understand or getting a better sense for, you know, why the production wasn't better. Uh, DeMar- DeMarvin Leal from A&M, like, okay, you've got the traits, you got the skills, you know, why weren't you more of an impact player? Uh, you know, and kind of challenge him a little bit on, on that. You know, Derek Stingley, that, that's going to be a big yeah. one. Um, I know you guys have talked extensively about Stingley and, you know, is he an alpha? Is he, can he come in and be a number one? And is it more than just durability questions? Does he have that it factor to be worthy of a top pick? Um, and so, you know, I, I think that uh, a lot of these players are coming in and, you know, we, we see what's on film. Uh, we see their talent, and that's maybe the easiest part of the process. The second, uh, you know, the other part of the process is understanding who they are as people. Do they fit with your culture? Do they fit uh, with what you're trying to build? Are they good human beings off the field? A lot of these guys just they don't fit what you're looking for. And so, uh, after an interview, you know, talking to uh, you know, a scout, he told me that they cross off more names from their list based off of interviews that did not go the well the way they thought compared to anything that happens on the field this week. So, you know, bad 40s and things like that. They cross off more names because of the interviews than anything else because they realize, okay, this, this guy's just not a fit for what we're trying to build in our, in our building. Sounds like the world's most public job fair of all time because, yeah. I mean, that's what it is. It is. It's, it's performance-based, sure, but there's an interview aspect and there's that personality side to it. One of the names that I thought of first was Jordan Davis too uh, mm-hmm. uh, out of Georgia defensive tackle maybe in that conversation about his production and his collegiate scheme is he able to play three downs in the NFL is he able to make a, a lengthy impact drive to drive mm-hmm. for an interior of a defensive line that's something that I would ask throughout as a scout because I want to know if he's going to make an impact not only on first and second down but can he get it done on third down as well and continue to stop the run the way that he does uh, whenever he's out on the field period. It's funny because it's definitely the world's most public job fair, but the irony is some of the most important information never sees the light of the uh, light of day. Right. Yeah. Between the medicals, which, again, I think we everybody agrees is the really the reason why we're here. Exactly. Absolutely. And then the interviews. And maybe the best of the best of draft media might uncover a few of these things. Uh, Maurice Hurst comes to mind. Sure. Uh, sitting right here. I think we were doing a show. Yeah. <laughs> Brian wanted to draft Maurice Hurst in the first round, and we find out he's got an irregular heartbeat on the show. And I mm-hmm. think I think Brian just shut down for the rest of the day. <laughs> but but like maybe two or three of those things will come out. And meanwhile, every team. I'll never forget. I'm not going to say the guy's name, but like the. the 
Cowboys people told me after the fact, they were like, yeah, we know you love that guy. We were never going to draft him because yeah. of something that was wrong with him. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, wow, wish I had known that in February. But I understand why you don't yeah, want, you want don't to leak publicize that information for, for a reason. But it goes back to the intimacy of these conversations and the importance of them as well. I mean, that's why the convention center is as big as it is here in Indy is because they have all these rooms and you have all these interactions that are crucial to who is ultimately going to end up on your roster. So n n we're, we're not interested in getting too deep into the Cowboys weeds, but Stephen Jones interviewed with Cowboys media yesterday was, was pretty noncommittal about Amari Cooper's <laughs> history with the team. Mm -hmm. um, so Mario asked if, if Amari Cooper's not here, what is the likelihood of drafting a receiver in the first three rounds? I think we would all agree that if that's the case, it's fairly likely. Yeah, it's likely. So I'm going to skip that part of it, but I'm curious to hear from you, Dane. We can do a little bit on the first round, guys. I feel like we've covered a, right. lot, a lot of that. But if the Cowboys find themselves needing a receiver that badly, what about some day two options that intrigue you for them? I, I don't and think this is sorry. This is assuming Amari's not on the team. So, what type of receiver do you think they go after? Do you think they want a pure outside guy? Do you think they'd be open to a slot in that situation? I, I, I guess I guess they could go in any direction, really. Yeah, because if you're not bringing back Amari, there's a chance you try and maybe try lock up Michael Gallup yeah, again. Gallup, that's, Cedric yeah. Wilson yeah. could mm -hmm. come back. So let's say, I would probably say outside receiver would most likely be the biggest replacement for him maybe a given technical that, route runner given that cd can play in the slot yeah. i would assume you'd be looking at an outside outside guy, guy. right yeah. right yeah. okay and, and that's once we get to day two we're getting the guys with question marks uh you know the the george pickens uh of, of the world you know from georgia who is kind of the offensive version of Derek stingley you know he had that great freshman year and then things kind of tailed off from there uh, so the medicals are going to be big for George Pickens this week. Um, I, I don't know if we're going to see him work out or not because he's had the a that ACL uh, last spring. I don't know if he feels 100% just yet. So that will be important to watch. Uh, John Mechie from Alabama, who, I, I mean, you want to hear Nick Saban gush, which he doesn't do a ton, but you want to hear him gush. Ask him about John Mechie, and he calls him the epitome of a wide receiver. Uh, when you talk about the toughness, uh, the route running, the intangibles, uh, John Mechie had a chance to go in the first round, but then he added the ACL. And so, you know, this this franchise has not been scared to draft guys coming off injury. I was about to say that. So, yeah. It, <laughs> second round, baby. Right. <laughs> I, I, John Mechie in the second round, I, yeah, that would absolutely uh, be a possible fit. A guy that could play inside or outside. Um, not, I don't think he has, like, that elite skill where – Average size, average speed, but he's just a, he's already a professional uh, with how he operates and plays the position. Um, David Bell from Purdue's in that mix. Um, I, 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 he's kind of like a maybe a poor man's Michael Pittman, you know, like non-explosive but just solid down the field. Um, uh, Christian Watson from North Dakota State. Uh, he's still really raw as a route runner, but he's got athleticism. He's still figuring out how good he can be. Um, I, those Justin Ross from Clemson. This is a big, big week from him. Uh, you know, he looked like a future top ten pick yep. uh, after that uh, <clears throat> college football playoff his freshman year, and then things kind of tailed off. And so teams are trying to figure him out this week. So there, there's some interesting options on day two at receiver. So I'm gonna. Pair that with a question from Cowboy Rattler. Of the of that crop, day two guys, is there a guy that stands out to you as a route runner? I, I well, I think J John Mechie definitely. Um, and we didn't talk about John or um, Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama, but he's in that mix too. Uh, but in terms of a route runner, I'd have to say Mechie. I, I think he'd be the 
the more most polished of the group um, and in just understanding how to attack leverage how to manipulate coverages how to uh, you know work the chemistry with your quarterback and be on time on schedule with everything you're doing out there Mechie has that um, again if he's available for you in the second round, it's really because of that injury uh, and nothing else. So uh, I, I think Mechie would stand out as a guy that brings that polish as a route runner that maybe you don't usually see at that point in the draft. Uh, I really like Mechie in, at that spot. I mean, like you said, second round, if he's there mm -hmm. at 56, I'm gushing at the fact that he could potentially be available, of course, if Amari Cooper's, Amari Cooper's not a part of the team. However, I just want to play devil's advocate here. He had some problem with ball skills to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. I mean, that wasn't the strong part of his game. But separation, route running, yeah. his ability to find himself into space were all things that he did very, very well. How much are you worried about the fact that he hasn't necessarily shown that elite ball skills that some of the other guys that would be considered first-round receivers, maybe second-round receivers, have in this class? Yeah, and, you know, he had a share of drops, but I think his drop rate overall considering the amount of targets he had is is okay yeah, it's yeah. not like an alarming number and so even though he did have some drops it's not something that i think it would really stop me from drafting him um is he a guy that consistently plays bigger than he is not necessarily not compared to like a drake london or some of these other guys who uh you know play above the rim and uh, are able to expand their catch radius in crazy ways uh he's not that guy but and again i think that's what it goes back to maybe not having that elite trait but just being solid across the board yeah. and, and i think there's something to be said about that consistency uh going back to your point about just being comfortable with a, a lack of consensus mm -hmm. you, would it surprise you at all if mechie goes in the first round that would surprise Ooh. me um, just because I think there's six receivers in the top 25, in my opinion. And so if he goes ahead of one of those six, that would surprise me. Um, and then if we had more than six, I think that would surprise me. Um, so especially with the ACL, we're not going to be able to see him work out. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, Kyle's point is, is valid. Uh, he had... I always worry about guys that had more drops than touchdowns over the career. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Mechie, okay. Mechie's one of those guys. Yep. Uh, one more drop in his career compared to touchdowns um and that's that's not ideal so i would be surprised if we saw him sneak into that first who are those six wide receivers i'm just curious uh for me it's garrett wilson at one he's my clear-cut top guy wow Traylon burks two drake london three jamison williams four and williams would be higher if not for the acl, yeah, ACL. Yeah. uh i mean just that that's speed it, we're, we were robbed of not being able to see him this week uh, at the combine he doing more like two diligence on him he comes from a track family his entire family uh, track athletes so uh apple doesn't fall f too far from the tree there uh five olave six Jahan dotson to me all six of those guys belong in the top 25 picks and probably uh, all six probably won't go that high so a team picking 27 to 35 will get you know good value there. Nice. I love I love forward thinking questions from people mm. that are trying to problem solve. <laughs> so Wayne and Johnny both asked similar questions about different players. They're looking for Jaron Curse if Jaron Curse isn't able to be retained mm -hmm. in free agency. So Wayne wants to know and I think it's interesting cuz I think of both of these guys more as cover safeties than box safeties. Dax Hill out of Michigan, yeah. mm -hmm. and Avi and uh, and uh, Jaquan Brisker out of um, Penn, State. Penn State. And I, again, I think of those guys more as coverage guys, but they both want to know, like, are those guys capable of thriving in more of a box sort of linebacker hybrid type of role? See, I think if you're keeping Dax Hill in the box, I think you're just you're not doing him, you're doing him a disservice. You know, his athleticism, his versatility 
that's why you drafted Dax Hill. Because if you're drafting Dax Hill, you're doing it in the first round. So, you know, I, I think if you're going to get a guy like that, you want him to play the nickel. You want to play over the slot receiver. You want to play uh, more of a split safety where he's going to cover half the field. You, you want him showing off that athleticism because Dax Hill is going to tear it up this week. He's going to have uh, uh, outstanding numbers, and that athleticism is, is why you draft Dax Hill in the first round. So, you know, I, I if you're going to draft him just to play him in the box, I think you're maybe doing him a disservice, and you might as well wait and draft a, a different safety at, the, at a different point in the draft. Uh, Brisker, I think, is more of that box guy that he played a lot of box at Penn State. Um, you know, the missed tackles piled up for him this year, but he was also injured, and so that's that's something with him that you try to figure out is you know how much did the injuries cause the missed tackles. Um, but Jaquan Brisker should be another uh, top tester this week at the safety position. Okay, as long as we're with DBs, and I am interested in this. You mentioned cornerbacks maybe improving their stock this week. I feel like Stingley, Sauce Gardner, and Andrew Booth are like really the only three that I hear about as t in terms of first rounders. Wow. Well, you didn't mention my number one corner. Oh, God. Who am I forgetting? Elam from Florida? Nope. Oh, McDuffie from Washington? Yep. Oh, Trent. Ah. McDuffie, you're right. We talked <laughs> yeah, about we McDuffie talked about as Trent well. McDuffie. Uh, my, my, uh, I'm going to say it again. My apologies to Washington because I feel like they deserve <laughs> so much more credit for cranking out DBs. The they they're out west. Yeah, and they, we will we, we'll, we'll players ball in the league behind. every year. We can talk about DBU later and whether or not that mm, belongs in Baton Rouge maybe. or uh, up, up in the Pacific Northwest. I got but. nothing to say. <laughs> but, okay, so Chris, want, Chris wants to know, first of all, and his question is mainly like, is cornerback a realistic scenario for the Cowboys? How does the fact that Calvin Joseph and Nashawn Wright are sitting there Still on your there. depth chart, how does it play into that? On top of whether or not you think it's a good idea, maybe, yeah, let's just kick around some names. Because I don't think any of us think Gardner and Stingley are going to be there at 24, but maybe some guys who would be. Yeah, and maybe an Andrew Booth makes it to you uh, out of Clemson, who's uh, a really uh, exciting player, just still getting better and better. Um, I I want to hear from you guys, uh, just with the, the corner, the current depth chart, uh, this, this this the cornerback position. They they invested two corners in the top three rounds last year. You uh, saw a little bit of them up and down, and and so what's the feeling in the building of those two guys uh, going into next season? You can uh, go first. Well, I'll I'll follow up. I'll I'll start with me. Like it it terrifies me. Hmm. It the cornerback class? No, the, no, no, the no not, chart? not the, the situation right now. Because like on paper, you're like we spent two top 100 picks on this position. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, we have an all pro now, so we're sure. you're set there. Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis were absolutely good enough that I'm not worried about getting rid of them. Yep. But you got to start thinking about the future. Anthony Brown is now in the last year of his extension. Probably mm -hmm. not going to do that again. Mm -hmm. Um. And I, th I, think the, I think the Cowboys are, are optimistic that the arrow is pointing up, particularly on Kelvin Joseph. Mm -hmm. But is it enough that if that guy's sitting there, you go away from it? Mm. I don't think so. I definitely don't think so. And that's my thing, too, is, is Kelvin Joseph could, could come in, be that slot guy in the future, could play in the slot, could play outside. Who knows? Maybe that Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis role, he can kind of fill in whoever's not on the field we for that. We didn't see him do it this year, though. That's my, that's my point. That's kind of what I'm getting to is the fact that he was expected to be a heavy part of the rotation later in the season, and he never got there. Now, does that mean he's not going to be there in 2022? Not necessarily. I think there's still a chance that he sees a heavy amount of snap work and is able to show some versatility in his game at the cornerback spot as soon as the, the year kicks off uh, later in the fall. 
However, if there is a guy there at either 24 or at 56 that you fall in love with, that doesn't mean you shouldn't take him just because you have four guys right now that you feel have the opportunity to play a significant number of snaps for you. Do you think 24, like what McDuffie's, well, you have him as your CB1. Yeah, so, I, do, I mean, yeah. I, I, the, the name to watch is going to be Kyler Gordon, McDuffie's teammate at yep. Washington. Uh, Kyler Gordon's going to just have a ridiculous week. Uh, he's got a fascinating background. He was kung fu and a dance champion growing up. Wow. That translated to the football field, the basketball court for him in high school. And then he goes to Washington, and it is up and down to start. Like, I don't know that he has the most natural instincts. But when you talk about a guy that with size and his athleticism and, and, you know, can make plays on the ball when it's in his area, he's the toughness, uh, he will lay out guys. So when you put that all together, it's like, yeah, he doesn't maybe have those elite instincts, but he's got what you can't teach with this, the movements. And he's, you know, he, he's a physical competitive kid. So I think Kyler Gordon, if he tests like we expect him to test, pencil him in the first round he's going to go that high so uh there, there's a lot to work with kyler gordon this is this is what this is what you miss with not having dane because like we can watch the tape and tell you what we think but dane's like yeah this guy's a black belt <laughs> yeah, that's true yeah. kung fu martial arts yeah that's what he was uh his mom was a kind of like a gymnastics teacher so uh got him into all these different things and he was mr spotlight at like nine years old uh all these dance competitions so uh i tell you what that flexibility and quickness that that translated and just to back up your point dave is the fact that i'm looking at what dane is looking at on his laptop right now there is nothing here that says anything about a dance background or a taekwondo he's a or, machine like it, i have to go pull up scouting reports no. just to talk about players, no. whereas Dane just has it off the top. It's Nobody does it like like Dane. Brugler. I'm shocked every Brugler. year. I, the beast. I, I assume you don't have a release date, but I'm guessing like beginning of April. Probably. First week of April is always the goal, and so uh, uh, Kyle, you mentioned how it's March already, and I'm <laughs> kind of sweating right now thinking Sorry. about that. Um, but yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get it done uh, somehow, somewhere. We'll the get it done. Absolute, he's the beast. It's the best. It's the best draft guide that exists. You're doing a disservice if you don't get it. No doubt. Keep an eye out for that. All right, Rich, I love this. I love the way people get scarred by picks. <laughs> uh, Rich wants to know more about David Ajabo mm-hmm. and the fact that... The Michigan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah you know where I'm going. I don't He's even have to say his not name. Taco. I don't, don't, yeah, you did for <laughs> Sorry. Me. It's okay. Don't scout the helmet. Uh, <laughs> you know, David Ajabo and Taco Charlton have very little in common, uh, except they, they played in Ann Arbor. Um, Ajabo, we can talk about guys going to impress at the Combine. He went to high school with uh, Jason Owe, Odafe Owe, uh, who was a first-round pick of the Ravens last year. Ran a 4.37 uh, in the 40 at Penn State's Pro Day last year. Uh, just ridiculous. David Ojabo will tell you that he used to beat uh, Owe in 100-meter dashes in high school. So he's going to light it up this week. And you see it on the field. Uh, now, do you have to hide him a little bit in the, as a run defender? Yeah, you do. He's still figuring out how to set the edge and be a functional run defender, uh, especially at his size. But if you want a guy that can get after the quarterback, he finished second in the Big Ten this year in sacks. And, uh, oh, who do you finish behind? Just uh, Aiden Hutchinson, his teammate. So, uh, you know, he, he can do a lot of things for you as a pass rusher, and he's been playing football for five years, still growing, still learning. I mean, I, we're talking about him, and I'm not sure we need to because he's not making it at 24. Wow. So, no way. Is there any question mark around him, just the fact that, like you mentioned, his teammate Aiden Hutchinson drew so much of that that attention, mm-hmm. drew so much of the looks from opposing teams in the Big Ten to where maybe it did allow for Ojabo to kind of see a free release at different times throughout his film? 
I mean, he still has to beat his blocker. I mean, True. did he see you know fewer double teams in Hutchinson? Yeah, but he still has to beat his guy, and he yeah. did consistently. So, I mean, that, that that is something I think is fair to point out. Um, but it is not something that would stop me from drafting. I mean, I think when you look at the pass rushers this year, a lot of split opinions about how you rank these guys. Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Trevon Walker, for me, is up there. Um, and then you throw Jabos in there, and then Jermaine Johnson. And then if you want to throw Karloftis in there as well. So that's six guys that should all be in that top 20 conversation. I get real excited when you mention, like, six guys. Because mm -hmm. I think you've said it about four different positions at this point. And I'm like, well, they can't all go. They can't all go, Dane. <laughs> can't possibly That's why Jabo that will be there at 24. All right, one <laughs> one more from my buddy Randall. A uh, lot of people worried about the Cowboys' offensive line, and rightfully so. Um, mm. He wants to know, and we've—I mean—we've beaten the first-round prospects into the ground at this yeah. point. But if they were to double dip at the position, yeah. can, can you imagine a way that that would look like? Maybe a first-rounder, and then again on day two, or or what have you. Sure, and I think uh, nothing should be off limits when you talk about offensive line and the Cowboys. Uh, they want to go tackle. I, Makes sense. Guard, okay. Upgraded center. I, I, I think that's something that should be on the table and it's something they need to consider. So, uh, yeah, I, I, the, no team is set on the offensive line. Not a single team in the NFL. And so if you double dip in the first three rounds at, on the offensive line, not only does that make sense, but it's smart. Um, you know, it's it, it's especially when you think about uh, the Cowboys and the identity they want to have uh, on offense. You need you need to give, to give your uh, quarterback help. You need to give your running game help. Uh, and, and I think that this draft is set up to do that. When you look at the offensive line in the first round, if they there, there's a, there's at least a scenario where no interior offensive lineman is off the board before the Cowboys pick which would be, I, I think, a great situation if that's a direction they want to go. If they want to go a Tyler Linderbaum uh, at center, if they want to go a Kenyon Green from A&M, Zion Johnson, I think, is in that mix as well. Uh, but if they also want to wait until uh, second or third round, I, I think the position stretches. I love Luke Fortner from Kentucky or um, uh, Cole Strange from Chattanooga, two centers in the third round. I think those guys will be starting in the NFL. Um, you know, Tyler Smith from Tulsa is a really intriguing player because he's he's one of the youngest players in this draft. He's got a really interesting mix of power, explosion. He's, his fundamentals just need rebuilt from the bottom up. And so he's not ready to play right away. But what you're thinking about what he could be down the line, Tyler Smith's easy to get excited about. Uh, bringing up Tyler Smith from Tulsa, mm -hmm. keep, keep an eye on that name. Just in the future, keep keep an eye on that name. I, I love, think that's something that could possibly come up again. I love how thorough y'all are. Like, I think... I wrote down a list of names I want to get to in the third segment. I think we've covered half of them during <laughs> this segment. So why don't we go ahead and take that second break, and we'll get into that in a little bit more detail to wrap this up. We'll be right back. Football season is almost over, and that means tax season is here. With it comes Taxiety. Filing taxes can be stressful if you choose the wrong partner. Don't let Taxiety take over this tax season. Liberty Tax will help you get your largest possible refund or your money back. With more than 12,000 tax professionals nationwide, help is always around the corner. Check out Liberty Tax, proud partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Schedule an appointment today at libertytax.com slash cowboys. Liberty Tax, a brighter way to do taxes. Hey, Cowboys. 
Cowboys fans, if you're thinking about attending a game this season, visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Stay at the team hotel, have dinner with a Cowboys legend, and experience AT&T Stadium's exclusive VIP Owners Club. Also, tour the star, get autographs from your favorite players, and talk X's and O's with me, Mickey Spagnola. The official travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys will take care of all your travel needs. Visit CowboysTravel.com. What do you call a group of grown men and women with their faces painted silver and blue who get together every week to share a three-hour-long ritual of jumping, sinking, and toasting Miller Lite and 10-gallon hats while yelling, how about them cowboys? You call it Miller Time in Dallas. Here's to the cowboys. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller Time. Celebrate responsibly. 2021 Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. This is Chad Hennings, former cowboy and proud veteran of the United States Air Force. When my fellow military veterans choose VA, they receive life-changing benefits from the Department of Veterans Affairs. If you are a veteran, you may be eligible for health care, education, and training benefits, a home loan guarantee, housing assistance, and more. Choose VA for the benefits you've earned. Visit choose.va.gov to learn more. That's choose.va.gov. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Wrapping up this first episode of Combine Week on the Draft Show. It's going to be hectic. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of schedules. But I think we're going to have Dane with us for all three shows this week. I'm really excited about that. You guys shelling out the cash to get Dane on (laughs) here. because Spare no expense for the best (laughs) analyst in the game. I agree completely. So I laughed at at the end of the last segment because I wrote down a list of names. Like, when I prep for the show, I'm always like, who are we not talking about that we should be, that fans want to hear about, that people are talking about? And I really think Tyler Smith, the Tulsa uh, offensive tackle, he's, like, right at the top of that list. So can we just expand on that a little bit, who he is as a prospect? He's one of the youngest players in this draft. A redshirt sophomore came out early, um, and there's going to be a lot of split opinion on him from evaluator to evaluator because so much of his his draft grade is based on projection, what he's going to be down the road. Because when you look at the foundational traits that you want in an offensive lineman, size, checks that box. Uh, Movement skills, checks that box. Uh, Play strength, there. Physical brand of football is there. It's just the fundamentals need a lot of work. Um, It's just incredibly raw. And so when is he going to be able to help your football team? Uh, That's why I would be surprised if he went in the first round, just because I don't know that he's necessarily going to help you right away. It's kind of a a draft and develop type of player, and that's hard to take in the first round. But, you know, we've seen uh, worse offensive linemen go in the first round. Uh, You know, uh, Isaiah Wilson, you know, the Titans took in the first round two years ago. Well, if that's the case, then maybe (laughs) maybe avoid that one. But my point is is that Tyler Smith, I I think, is you're more optimistic about him than you were about Isaiah Wilson. So Mm -hmm. the the offensive line is such a starved position around the league that guys like this don't last very long. So maybe he sneaks into that top 40 mix. But, again, we're talking about a guy that needs a lot of work before he's, you know, the guy that you expect him to be. No, no surprise on this. I mean, Dane's got the guy pegged to a certain extent, and the reason why is because you look at the youth, but you also look at the aggression. I mean, he is one of the most 
aggressive, heavy-hitting, big guards in all of college uh, football. 16 penalties this year. He's a, <laughs> he's a calls. mauler. His Cowboy fans don't want to hear that. Phenomenal. Six foot six, 330 pounds. Of course, we'll see what he's weighed at this week. He did not go to the Senior Bowl because, of course, he's 21 years old. By the time the draft, he's actually not 21 yet. Yeah, still 20. He will be 21 when the draft comes around for like 25 days prior to the, the first round. But he's one of those guys that I think Dallas has their eye on in that second round. Because like you said, because of the unpolishedness, because of the reason why he maybe has those penalties is because there are some ways that he can grow the, in his game but if he's able to grow in his game he yeah. w wouldn't just be a starter this year he'd be a starter in the future if uh, maybe they move on from Connor Williams at that spot if there's something that they could upgrade there but they don't necessarily want to spend that high in the first round if he's at 56 and he's the selection don't be surprised and also be happy about that because I think that's something that could really benefit this football team and especially the rotation in the offensive line moving forward. You mentioned his aggression and that's, that's the strength and the weakness you love to see it you love yeah. to see the way he plays but at the same time it leads to chaotic timing and you gotta have a count to it. <laughs> right I mean it's 16 penalties this year like that that's that's an that's an issue obviously he needs to grow and mature and I will he reach that point hopefully but again there's more of a projection with him which is why we're probably looking at more of a second round pick yep it sounds weird to say about an offensive line that struggled as much as this one did in the second half of the year but if there's a unit that could take a guy who needs a year to sit and develop, it's probably this one. Still, yeah. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, you still have starters available at every position. And, and honestly, how often uh, do second-round picks come in and be the difference between you winning or losing the division? Right. You know, like, it's yeah. just, you have to frame it that way when you're talking about, uh, you know, who's going to, especially in the second. First round, maybe a little different discussion. But second, third round, it's a long-term investment more so than who's going to, you know, fill that need right away that we have. Kelvin Joseph, an example mm -hmm. that we saw earlier in the show and what we've seen this past year. And then you asked the question of earlier, how could the double dip happen? Maybe if you take a Tyler Linderbaum who falls to you at 24, if that's even possible, then you turn around, you want to upgrade the guard spot as well and just completely redo your offensive line. That could be a way to do it. Sticking with offensive line, senior bowl guy that I feel like we didn't give just attention to, okay. uh, Bernard Ryman. Mm. Central, Central Michigan, Michigan. Yeah. the Austrian. Uh, first of all, the story, uh, just an amazing backstory. He was a wide receiver, uh, came over to the United States, moves to tight end, goes to Central Michigan, tight end his first few years. And not only did he make the tight end to tackle transition, he did it in the midst of a pandemic. So it's just a really <laughs> rare thing with him. Uh, not the longest player, doesn't have the, the, the widest range, but uh, he's stout at the point of attack. Uh, for a guy that has not been playing the position very long, he understands how to you know, best use his body posture and the technique. And so, yeah, Bernard Raymond, I, 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 I think he's somewhere in that late first round and, and absolutely should be on the radar for the Cowboys at 24. See, that's... See, 24, I, that actually surprised me. I, I thought you would say something of 56 to the third round. The fact that you I said 24 I think he's a first-round pick. I mean, really, I, I don't think he's... Is that another one of those things of ceiling in terms of looking at guys in the way that they could, based on their backstory, the way that they can improve because they're so raw at the position at the moment? I, yes, but I, I really don't think that Raymond is, is... I mean, he is raw, but not to the extent that I would it would hesitate me from throwing him out there from day one. I think wow. he can handle it. I mean, I think because he, he is a little bit older guy, and I think uh, uh, 
he is one of the most genuine people I've ever talked to in my life. Like, he's just a really smart guy who understands where he needs to get better, what his strengths are. And I think that self-evaluation, that self-awareness goes a long way with young players. And so I think he's going to be a really solid pro early in his career. I swear to God, the entire Georgia defense is going to get drafted. Not that pretty any, close. Not that anybody's pretty surprised close. by that. Uh, and I, but a guy that I don't think we've really talked about is uh, – the third of these Georgia linebackers, uh, Quay Walker, in this instance. Oh, he, I mean, he might be the the second. I, I think he should be the second drafted of these Georgia linebackers uh, behind Nicobe Dean sure. in front of Channing Tindall. Uh, Quay Walker, he looks like a defensive end. I mean, he's like yeah, he six does. three and a half, two fifty, and I bet you he runs in the mid four fives uh, this week. He's going to mm -hmm. tear it up. One year starter. Uh, he's got that inside outside versatility. He's got the experience doing both. Uh, outstanding athlete. Uh, there's a lot to like about Quay Walker in in the second round. I don't know that he makes it to the Cowboys' second round pick, but if he does, uh, if you're looking for a linebacker, Quay Walker would be the dude. He's my third linebacker as well. I mean, I have Dean, then Lloyd. There's a little bit of yeah. a gap there, and then you've got Quay Walker sitting there. I agree. I think he could bring that pass rusher mentality if if he is able to get there to 56, but I don't think that's going to happen. I always I always geek out about like the 33 to 75 pick right. range yeah. but it because they're all great players but they slipped especially and they this year and it, no it feels even it yeah. feels even yeah. deeper this year absolutely uh there's 60 players deeper like, you're gonna be geeking wake wake me up when the first round's over like i'll figure <laughs> that like that's fine just yeah, don't worry about thursday night i'll show up friday <laughs> uh you mentioned you mentioned him earlier in the show but i'd like to talk a little bit more about justin ross because mm. i do remember mm -hmm. him looking like he was going to set the world oh on gosh. fire that 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 pl the playoffs uh, the, the year Clemson receiver for anybody right. that doesn't know the year know. Clemson won national title I think Trevor Lawrence's freshman year Justin Ross uh, freshman receiver Notre Dame and Alabama those two games he he went over 300 yards combined in those in those two games with a couple of just ridiculous highlight reel grabs he just okay pencil him in the top 10 you know a couple of years from now but had the the neck surgery and then he missed this the uh, he had season ending foot surgery this year he was cleared to work out this week so what type what, what type of athlete are we talking about post injuries post two pretty serious injuries um, and the medicals be obviously important for him so Justin Ross is kind of the I don't know quite what to do with him like that, that that's the type of player that could have the most fluctuation based off the combine because you're getting the medical info and you're seeing just what type of athlete is he post injury uh, so this this receiver position on day two he could maybe make a jump if he you know hits the boxes he needs to hit here in Indianapolis where do you have him right now he's like 13th okay. um, back end of my top 100. You know, just like behind guys like Pickens and David Bell, and I've yeah, got there a thirteenth too. So it, it's kind <laughs> of like it, you just park them there, and you kind of figure out as the process goes on to where yeah. to put them because it's it, he's a talented dude. He might have the biggest catch radius of any receiver in this draft. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he's just really remarkable with uh, the, the the adjustment skills and his length. But again, coming back from those two major injuries and just not sure what type of what type of player he is, the combine will be big for him. Is there a chance that with him, of course, with him being on the field, he's always played really well? I mean, mm -hmm. even this year, even with the injuries, he had 46 receptions, 514 yards, but three even touchdowns. That, yeah, like the, like the quarterback situation really didn't exactly. hurt him this year at Clemson. Didn't help him out at all. Absolutely. If the 
if everything checks out, everything mm -hmm. looks good from the combine, is there a chance he skyrockets up to the top of that maybe top seven, eight conversation in terms of receivers? I know there's probably six guys that you feel really good about right now. Mm -hmm. However, I mean, seven and eight I feel like isn't out of the ordinary with a Ross guy. I, I think going back to what we talked about before, how there won't be a consensus. There will be yeah. teams that see the injury history and just say, you know, no thanks. But there will be some teams that, you know, if the medical info comes back, hey, two thumbs up, we think, you know, we shouldn't shouldn't affect him long term then there will be some more teams that are, have a little more appetite for risk that say okay second round we'll t we'll th roll the dice on a, a high high-end talent like that with his upside so i don't think there'd be a consensus but yeah it would not shock me at all if we have see a team maybe draft him earlier than we think if he's able to hit those marks this this week in indy i would give anything to just see like 10 different teams receiver boards oh yeah, oh, yeah. what the differences look like yeah well and we have to remember too because there's different types of receivers different positions you know, they're X, sure. X, Y, Z. There's, uh, they do different things. Teams value after the catch more so than route. I mean, it's, it's all over the place. So, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's a great point. That is going to do it for one episode of the draft show. Amazing, and we like nothing's even happened yet. So if this is yeah. what we can do with nothing having happened, I'm excited for the rest of the week. <laughs> Thrilled to be back with Dane Brugler. Thank you all so much for great. listening. We will be, be ah, we will be back Wednesday and Thursday. Time TBD. Sorry about that. We're doing what we can, but we appreciate it. For Dane and Kyle, I'm Dave. We will see you all next time. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?